0: Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpey and Peter Torpey. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week we'll be talking about
1: retinitis pigmentosa, a disease that leads to degradation of the retina or the light-sensing area of the eye. We'll speak with Inju Vent Schmidt,
2: a graduate student who has retinitis pigmentosa herself and who is involved in doing research focused on understanding the condition and developing novel treatments. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Ruan. You're on the verge of completing a PhD. What are your career goals?
3: I would... Really love to get into science communication. I find that there is a lack of bridge that can link the researchers and the end users. So there should be more people helping to interpret the research for the public. And if there's an opportunity for that, that's what I'm looking for.
2: Oh, that would be... Very beneficial to society. You know, there's so many researchers doing esoteric work, and oftentimes the public has trouble absorbing the information.
3: Yeah, it's also difficult for scientists to talk about their research even amongst themselves because some of the fields are very specialized and very specific. And I think it is important that. This research gets known because researchers work very hard and their money comes from taxpayers' money.
1: It would really be helpful to have more people like her that could bridge the gap between what scientists are doing in the lab and research they're doing and bridge that gap with just ordinary people. You know, sometimes these scientists, they're very good at doing their work in detail, but they may not be the best communicators and be able to express their ideas to the general populace who may not know the details of their research. And on the other hand, a lot of lay people may not understand some of the science involved in the technologies that are being developed. So to have someone be able to bridge that gap is really important.
2: And fortunately, Rouen is actually a very good communicator, and you'll be hearing her very clear explanations of some very complicated concepts further on in the show. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible by Logan Tech, makers of the electronic take-anywhere six-dot braille label maker that produces crisp, clear braille that strikes, scores, and cuts in seconds. More information on our family of devices and products is at logantech.com. Logantech. Improving quality of life with technology. Let's start by meeting Ruan.
3: My name is Ingrew Ruan Ben and I am a PhD candidate at UBC, the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada.
2: Many of our listeners have visual impairments. Do you?
3: Yes, I have retinitis pigmentosa. And I had this condition since I was 13. I discovered it when I was at a summer camp, actually, because um, our family always lived in a big city. And in a big city, it was always difficult for anyone with um, a small amount of of night blindness to realize that you're actually really night blind. And so I noticed it when I was at a summer camp and we were walking back to our cabins with our friends and we had to cross this bridge. And there was a part of the bridge that didn't have any railings. So I realized that at some point, if I had taken a couple steps more, I would have fallen into the river. Oh. Yeah. So... That's when I realized, oh, I don't see something here. And all the other kids are just running and (laughs) running across the bridge. And I knew that there's probably something wrong with me because I knew my mom is also night blind. So that's when I started thinking about this issue.
1: Now, my understanding is that RP is a progressive condition. And I'm wondering what the state of your vision is now.
3: Mm hmm. So my visual acuity is not too bad. Actually, it's 20-30. So I can read and write quite okay without glasses. But because of my reduced peripheral vision, I have less than 15 degrees in my peripheral vision. So it becomes more straining to read for a long time. The other part is, of course, the night vision. And that has become progressively worse. And that's actually very difficult to measure by the ophthalmologist.
1: Do you use any assistive devices at all?
3: No, actually. hmm I'm quite lucky in that regard. And, I mean, I try to compensate and I rest more. But I have not gotten into the state where I seek for assistive technology.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you're doing your graduate research studying retinitis pigmentosa, and that's what we'll be talking about in the body of this episode. Mm-hmm. You are
0: listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is current thrusts
2: in research on retinitis pigmentosa, including some of Ruan's studies.
1: So as Nancy mentioned, your research is in retinitis pigmentosa, and I assume that was motivated by your condition, but maybe you can tell people a little bit about what retinitis pigmentosa is and how it progresses.
3: Okay. Um Retinitis pigmentosa is a degenerative disorder in the retina of the eye, and very often it progresses from rods to cones. So rods are the light-sensing cells that detects dim light and peripheral vision, and cones are the light-sensing cells that detect bright light and color vision. And normally people start to lose the rod cells first, and that's why they lose their peripheral vision and their ability to see things in the dark. And as time goes on, and after the rods have started to degenerate and die, for some reason, the cones also start to degenerate and die. And what we know that um, retinitis pigmentosa, or RP, is a genetic disorder. And very often the genetic cause is in the rods, but there are so many different genes involved that it is difficult to understand why they are dying, why they are degenerating, and how to find treatment for this big umbrella of diseases.
1: And how far is this disease likely to progress over what time scale?
3: Oh so usually people start to see their symptoms in their teens but some people it can also see symptoms when they're very young even in the first in the first de- decade of life and for some people they are not fully blind or even almost blind until in their 40s or 50s whereas other people can become almost completely blind in their early 30s. So the prognosis is very different, and that's likely due to all the different genes that are involved in retinitis pigmentosa. And when I'm saying that all the different genes right now, as we speak, there are over 60 genes known and recorded that cause RP, and probably more are being discovered as we speak.
1: So this sounds like a very complex disease. Are there any known treatments for this condition?
3: There are currently no treatments for RP because it's a degenerative disease in the retina. The retina is made up of neuronal cells, and neurons do not... Regenerate. Once you're born with them, that's it. That's all you have. And they don't, we don't make new cells.
1: So once they're gone, they're gone.
3: Yes. But researchers are finding therapies or possible treatments to figure out how to stop the degeneration from happening to, or to slow down the progress or to replace the neurons or these light sensing cells in the retina.
2: So we'll get to your specific research project in a few minutes, but can you give kind of a broad overview of what kinds of research are being done in the field? I assume that there are many more researchers than just the people on your team.
3: Yes, of course. There are so many different types of research happening, and this research not only applies for retinitis pigmentosa, but uh, in general, a whole host of retinal disorders that cause blindness. And I would categorize these therapies according to the stage of degeneration. So you can think about there's early degeneration where the rods and the cones are still intact. And then there's the mid-stage where the rods and cones have started to degenerate. And there's the late stage where people have lost almost all or completely lost all of their light-sensing cells.
2: And what are some of those therapies?
3: There are therapies that replaces the gene if it's a genetic cause, so we would call these gene therapies. And the idea is that if you lack a gene, okay, so we can think about what a gene is. And if you think of an instruction manual, and if you think of each instruction that is there to help you build something like a refrigerator, then each instruction is like a gene. And in your DNA, there is an instruction for every gene. So in inherited disorders, the gene in the cells are missing that important instruction. So this is what gene therapy is about. We simply give back or replace the cell with a good instruction.
2: So that sounds like it would be most effective for people who don't have any or only minor symptoms so far. Is there anything for people who are already symptomatic?
3: Yes. Another therapy that is very popular in the research field are drug therapies. This could work for people who have a genetic disorder or a non-genetic disorder because the drugs target the symptoms. So you can think of it as having a common cold. You don't fight the actual cause of the cold. You're fighting the cough. So Drug therapies help to minimize or reduce the symptoms that are related in retinal disorders. So, for example, this can include giving the cells more nutrients or giving the cells a way to fight cell death or giving the cells a way to increase light sensitivity.
1: And what other treatment options might there be?
3: So these two major therapies that I just talked about, they could work in people who have low to mid progression of degeneration in the retina. Another type of therapy that could work for mid to late degeneration of the retina is something called optogenetic therapy. And this is quite new. There's also... A clinical trial that will be starting soon, and the idea is that since the light sensing cells are not sensing enough light, how about just boosting um, the light sensing cells with a different molecule? so what they're actually doing is they're using a light sensing molecule found in algae, so it's something that you were never born to have, so an algae that has a gene that can sense light. And the researchers are using this gene and putting that into human retinas to help them boost light sensitivity. And the idea is that even if your rods and your cones have died, perhaps they can use other cells in the retina to see, to sense light.
1: Where does your research fall in this spectrum of possible solutions?
3: So my research initially started looking at a drug therapy. And we used one drug to look at four different mutations that cause RP. And in the end, we found out that not only did this drug help to reduce or slow down degeneration in one type of mutation, and that's great, but we also found that this drug sped up the retinal degeneration in other three types of mutation. So what this means is that when one drug is beneficial for one mutation and the same drug is making three other mutations worse... One, not only taking any random drug is dangerous without knowing your genetic mutation, but what is more important is that we can somehow begin to categorize the different types of genetic mutation according to how the cells die. And because there are so many causes of RP, if we can categorize the different types of RP then perhaps we can target the category with one therapy or one drug.
1: So that's really important to learn because it indicates that if people had tried this drug as a possible solution and it had failed, it might not necessarily fail on another person that had a different genetic mutation, and it could be successful in treating the problem.
3: Yes. So actually, this drug was very controversial. Because this drug was originally used for people with epilepsy and bipolar disorder, people thought that, hey, we can get this drug and use it off-label.
2: This all raises an interesting question. I understand that developing new drugs is a very time-consuming process. And if you can start by using a drug that's already approved for some other disease, then you can skip some of the earlier safety testing, and that'll speed up the drug development process. But what would make you think that a drug that's effective for epilepsy might be effective for retinitis pigmentosa? How do you pick the new drug to try?
3: That's a great question. So initially, this started because the drug was originally thought to help the production of proteins better so proteins are essentially the building blocks of your cells and they help your cells function and in some forms of rp the proteins in rods are not made properly and we call that misfolding they they have a, diff, a, a wrong structure And the early studies were looking for drugs that are already FDA-approved so they can find a drug quickly to cure RP. And they did this on cell culture, so not in humans at first. They were screening a bunch of drugs that are already FDA-approved to find which one is going to help misfolded proteins go away. It's because the misfolded proteins are going to damage and harm the cells. So this is what it did initially, but they still needed to go through clinical trials. And even if that helped, it was still not clear exactly how it worked. So does that answer your question?
2: Yeah, it was good. Are you personally working in the laboratory, working with patients, doing computer modeling or, or what?
3: Oh, we are working with animal models. So we are using tadpoles, actually, the tadpoles that have the human mutations in them. We give the tadpoles drugs that we think may benefit them, and then we look at their eyes, look at their retinas, and see whether they get better or not.
1: As you mentioned, this sounds like a very complex disease with many sources that could cause the problem. And I know you can't predict future, but I'm wondering what your gut feel is in terms of what progress people can expect in, say, the next five years, 10 years, 20 years in terms of addressing some of these conditions.
3: I think in the very early future, let's say five years, probably drug therapy can help with some types of RP. And Drug therapy helps to slow down the degeneration. It doesn't help to completely cure it, but it might work if you are still at a early to mid stage of RP and this drug may help with slowing down that degeneration. Whereas gene therapy needs a bit more work in research. It's a amazing idea but we are just not there yet, maybe in 10 or 20 years. I don't know, but definitely we have seen a lot of progress in the past 10 to 20 years in all of the therapies that we have discussed In compared to any vision research history. We've made a lot of progress in the past 20 years.
2: So I get the impression saying you can slow down the progression of a disease doesn't sound all that exciting. But if you can slow down the progression so that instead of being totally blind at the age of 40, that when you would be totally blind is beyond your natural lifetime, that's almost as good as curing the disease.
3: Yeah. So in RP, usually people with rods that are degenerating are still living their life. They can still live a somewhat normal life, still being reliable on their remaining vision, which is mostly on the cones. So the cones are detecting um, visual acuity so you can read and the color vision. In RP, losing cones is the most debilitating part, and that happens in a late stage. So that's why researchers are finding ways and say, hey, what if we don't replace rods? Because that's going to be really difficult, and it's going to happen in 10, 20, 30 years. We don't know yet. But what if we can slow down the disease progression so that we can preserve the cones for a long time? And that can still be quite beneficial for someone who is losing their vision but not losing their vision completely.
1: So I guess the best thing people can do then is to make sure they are diagnosed early in the progression of this disease and make sure they're getting some treatment that pushes off the worsening effects as long as possible until some new treatment comes along or maybe the progression becomes so slow that it doesn't really affect them much.
3: Yes, actually, that's a great point. And the research community really pushes people who have RP to get their genes tested. Because whenever someone is diagnosed with RP, it is not a routine test to test for their genes. And at least I know in Canada, the government doesn't fund genetic testing if you have RP right now, because up to now, there's no reason to do so. But if you get your genes tested, you can get onto a patient registry in your area. And then when there's a clinical trial happening that is gene-specific, then you can have the chance to get onto that clinical trial. And that's likely the only way in the next five to 10 years where you'll get a chance to be exposed to some form of therapy.
2: Well, if you weren't already motivated to get an early diagnosis so that you could start treatment sooner, there's another great reason to try to get a diagnosis as early as possible. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about retinitis pigmentosa, its causes, its treatments, and how to deal with it, and also
1: how to reach Ruin. So if people want to find out more about RP, the treatment, progression of the disease, is there a place where you would advise them to look?
3: Yes. So the website I would recommend is from the Foundation Fighting Blindness Canada. And I know that in the US, there is also the Foundation Fighting Blindness. And they're pretty good at reviewing the current state of research regarding RP.
2: And what is the web address for the Foundation Fighting Blindness?
3: For the Foundation Fighting Blindness Canada, it's ffb.ca. And for the US Foundation Fighting Blindness, it's blindness.org.
2: You recently published an article about your research. If people wanted to read it, what's it called and what journal is it in?
3: Mm -hmm. The article that I wrote for the Foundation Fighting Blindness is called On the Road to Personalized Therapies for Blindness. New study reveals why genetic testing is vital. And this is found on the FFB website in the news section.
1: And we will put a link to that in our show notes associated with this episode. So that article is
2: more for the general public. She has also recently published an original research article that appeared in the Journal of Neuroscience in December
1: 2016. And we will have a link to that as well. And if people had additional questions for you or they wanted to contact you, could they do that?
3: Yeah, of course. They can contact me at my email address, and it's v e n t s c h m i d t at gmail.com.
2: Now, one other thing, Ruan asked us to recognize her thesis advisor, in whose laboratory she works, and his name is Dr. Orson Moritz, and he's been a big help
1: guiding and mentoring her through her studies. And we mentioned the show notes several times, and our usual listeners know that you can find all the contact information right there in the show notes for each episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. I also wanted to remind people that now that we've been doing the show for over six and a half years, there are well over 300 episodes in our archives on virtually any topic you can think of. So use the search feature on our main webpage to type in a show number, a keyword, or a topic, and you'll come up with a list of shows with summaries and links to the audio and show notes for each episode. That's
2: it for show number 1734. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking with the people who digitized the American Foundation for the Blind's audio files. We will speak with Jane Cronheim and Roger Cicchisi of Voices of Experience about some of the work that they've done and you will get to hear samples of Helen Keller speaking and also of the very first audio-described movie. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at
0: 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpey and Peter Torpey, and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook, and on AudioBoom.com at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success.